بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول کریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائب از دا سیونتھ آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu And I'm on the subsection in which we're taking a glimpse into his phenomenal worship. So in a report, in Abu Ya'la, Deylami in his Musnad al-Firdos, Al-Haytami in Majma al-Zawaid, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya, in the chapter of Dhikr and Dua. Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu relates, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once instructed me, O Abu Hurairah radiyallahu, exhort those who are dying to testify to la ilaha illallah because it removes sins. I thereupon asked, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this applies to the dying, but what about those who are alive? He said, it tears down even more. It tears down even more. Meaning, it is even more effective for the living than even purifying them from sin. So let's look at this. So Abu Huraira was told, by the Prophet, when a person is dying, help them to say, La ilaha illallah, it takes away sins. So look how purifying, even when a person dying, it purifies one of sin. So Abu Huraira, obviously he's thinking that that's a person who's dying. What if a person's healthy and he's got life ahead of him and he decides it? Maybe it's not as powerful. The Prophet said, it tears down more. It tears down more. It's even more effective. So this is another classic example of a very simple, famous victim which people don't value. So what is more effective than purifying your sins? And how easy is it to say, La ilaha illallah? But Abu Huraira was taught this, clarifying further. Hakim in his Mustadrat Sahih, Imam Ghazali's Ihya. Abu Huraira radiyallahu relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu alayhi wa Oh Abu Huraira radiyallahu Every good deed you perform shall be weighed on the day of resurrection except La ilaha illallah because it cannot be weighed in the balance. If it were to be put on the balance of him who confessed it sincerely, then even the seven heavens and the seven earths and what is on them could not counterbalance on the scale the weight of La ilaha illallah. Subhanallah. So here, look how amazing. It can't even be weighed. Now that doesn't mean it hasn't got a weight. It means the scale which weighs all those incredible deeds for each of the jinn and mankind, it hasn't got the capacity to register the weight. Think about that. How simple on the tongue and how heavy is it on the scale. Because even if the seven heavens and seven earths and whatever is on them, think about that. You know, it's a figure of speech. What's in the seven heavens and seven earths? We don't even know what's in this universe. But what is the weight of everything in this universe? You know, you think, well, you're asking silly questions, huh? Well, what do you think? Well, it's going to be ridiculous. That's one universe. 
go to the second, go to the third. All of that weight combined on one side cannot tilt even la ilaha illallah on the other. Meaning la ilaha illallah is heavier. So how graphic do you want to put it? The Prophet couldn't, you know, you can't make it even more graphic. Or could you think of another way to highlight the value of the Shahada, but not the condition? Sincerely. <laughs> now, just tape recorder. Like people say, well, I'll make this brother say, because he's not he's just tape recording, piloting it. He has to be from the heart. So it's so heavy on the skins. All praise be to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who gave us such a simple but truly gargantuan thicker. So, again, another report. The hadith is in Imam Ahmad's Muslim Sayyid hadith. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, If you fall into sin, follow it up with a good deed. So Abu Dharr, he was thinking. He didn't say it. He was thinking. So if I follow a sin up with La ilaha illallah, will that take it out? But he didn't ask like that. He asked very respectfully. He goes, Ya Rasulullah, is la ilaha illallah a good deed? But you know what he meant by that. The Prophet said, it is the best of deeds. So now let's look at this. What is the command from Rasulullah? You fall into sin, immediately follow it up with a good deed. So you, how many good deeds can you do? Trillions. You know, how many deeds are they? Abu Dhan was thinking. La ilaha illallah. That's not gonna. That's a bit cheeky if I just say La ilaha illallah. That sort of wavelength he was on. So he asked Ya Rasulullah, is La ilaha illallah a good deed? Meaning, if I commit a sin, I just say La ilaha. You'll not take out the sin. The Prophet said, it is the best of deeds. Meaning, don't undervalue it. So think about that. You're committing a sin. Which one of us can't say at the end of it, Audi billah, should be committing the sin? I'm not promoting sin. But after you've committed a sin, can't you say this with grief? La ilaha illallah. He's wiped out. Now, what does your mind think? Come on, brother. He goes, that's not going to, it's not even going to touch the, it's not even going to chink it. It's going to wipe you out. It's the greatest of deeds. So, note, la ilaha illallah pulverizes sins. Pulverizes. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam famously asked, Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, teach me a dhikr. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, La ilaha illallah. So what was his famous response? Because everybody says that. Now think about that. A Rasul of Allah, alayhi salatu wasalam. Obviously we don't speak ill or find fault with the Holy Prophet. But what did he, what was his? Because everybody says it. Meaning I want a special zikr. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious said, there's nothing great. If you put the seven heavens and earth on one side, this is heavier. Meaning, what, what else can I give you? It's the best. Now, this befits the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because he's the most generous. The most generous means he's not just going to give it to an elite few. He's gen a generous person just gives left, right and center. The fish and the fowl. La ilaha illallah is that gift. This is the sadness. Shaitan again. How many times have I mentioned this the last few sessions? He will belittle what is majestic. Ayatul Kursi. When I went, you know, I think two sessions back. Everybody knows it's the greatest verse. How many recite it? The zikrs I mentioned yesterday. Right? You know, the special blessed zikrs. Third kalima. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, wa la akbar. Everybody says it. But again, you undervalue. Shaitan's attacking it. Now, the greatest of all zikrs. 
I want special zikr. It's like saying, well, you got a diamond, but I want, uh, I want a sapphire. You think, are you feeling all right? <laughs> right? You've been offered a diamond, you're asking for something less precious. Yeah. Okay then, brother, I'll give you a sapphire. Yeah. So note again, and, he, and this is why Abu Huraira was asking these questions. If a person's healthy, Ya Rasulullah, he says it. Surely it's not, because it's even more purifying, even more purifying. Yeah, subhanallah. So now let's turn to Abu Huraira. What sort of dhikr did he do? In Abu Nu'im al-Hiliyah 1-383, Hafiz Zahbi in his seer 2-623, Tafkirat al-Hufaz 1-35, it mentions. <laughs> Sayyidina Abu Hurairah had a thread with 2,000 knots and he would not sleep until he had used it all for dhikr. So now, questions go through the mind. What is this knot? How did he make this knot? Again, this is all irrelevant. Why did he have a thread with 2,000 knots? Because he wanted to reach that figure. You understand? He didn't want to you know, lose his focus on the number. He wanted to focus on the content. You understand? So if you're trying to work out 2,000 with your fingers, you're going you're gonna to forget what you're saying. So this is the wisdom. So now what's the difference between that and this people? And yet people say, Bidat, brother, Catholics use prayer beads. Mm-hmm. And then you go, brother, look, it's not the, you know, I'm, my intention is not to emulate Catholics. Mm-hmm. My intention is so I don't have to focus on upon a number. How many vicars do you get mentioning a hundred? It's not easy in your fingers. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't do it, you know, but why? You know, you should go, like, you start thinking, if I do 75, I've lost count. Yeah. With this beast, it's done. Mm-hmm. So here, Abu Huraira, he's got 2,000 knots. How, how long was that thread? 2,000 knots. And before he slept, he did dhikr with everyone. And think about that. If somebody goes to you, I know somebody who does, you know, whatever zikr. He says it 2,000 times before he sleeps. He thinks, subhanAllah, brother. What does he say 2,000? Even if it's la ilaha illallah, brother. Still isn't it impressive that he's on 2,000? Why is he doing 2,000? You know, if you think about it, can you think of any hadith mentioning do this 2,000 times, you get, you know, this palace or something in paradise? I can't think of any reports. It shows he loved dhikr. He didn't want to use to the bare minimum, 2,000. That was his standard. What else did he do? This would be the zikr before he retired to his bedding. But for the day, Abu Huraira himself said, Radiyallah, Verily I make tasbih, subhanallah, of Allah the Almighty every day, according to my ransom, 12,000 times. <laughs> Verily I make tasbih, subhanallah, of the Almighty every day, according to my ransom, 12,000 times. <laughs> this is in Behaki in his Sunan 8-79, Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat, Abu Nu'im al-Hiliya 1-383, Hafiz Ibn al-Jawzi in his Sifat al-Safwa 1-691, Half is Zahabi in his seer 2-610 and Tafkilat al-Hufaz 1-35. Half is Ibn Hazm in his Al-Muhalla 10-396. Half is Ibn Hajar Asqalani in his Al-Isaba 7-442. 12,000 times. If somebody goes, brother, just between me and you, how many times do you say Subhanallah in a day? It's between me and Allah. He goes, no, just between me and you, brother. And this is the response you'll get. I do it at least 200 times. 100 times in the morning and 100 times at night. MashaAllah, not bad. Which one will say 12,000? Brother, what are you? Hang on a minute, what? 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 Right? He goes, yeah, 12,000 times. 
Oh, is it like a special day you do it? Every day. Every day. I do 12,000 subhanallahs. Why is he doing 12,000 subhanallahs? Think about that. Why not just a hundred in the morning? Like you're famous. A hundred in the morning, brother. A hundred in the evening. Special days are nice. Increase it a little bit. I was looking at these reports. I was thinking, what does he do on special days? <laughs> you know, imagine we do, that's for us. It's like Laylatul Qadr. That's how we like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. It's a holy night. Right? I'm, I'm going for it, brother. Right? Why are you charge yourself up for, uh, for Laylatul Qadr? It should be every day you should be doing this. 12,000 times. These huge numbers were numbered in date stones or pebbles. How do we know? Because don't forget, when he slept, he had a thread of 2,000 knots. How did he keep count 12,000? Abu Nadra, rahmatullahi, he said, an old man from Banu Tofawa tribe, he said, once I was with Abu Huraira, and he was lying on his bed, and he had a bag full of pebbles or dead stones, and there was a dog slave girl of his sitting on the floor before, before, uh, below him. He would perform tasbih with the dead stones or pits until he had finished what was in the bag. Upon which he threw the bag at his servant. Upon that, the slave girl collected them and returned the bag to him. Subhanallah. So let's look at this. So this is recorded in Nasai, number 5121. Abu Dawood, number 2174. In the chapter on marriage. Tirmidhi, number 2787. Hassan. Tayyata Sahaba, volume 5, page 126 of the New English Translation. So a guest was in Abu Huraira's dwelling, and he's lying down, meaning he was tired. <laughs> now this is his rest, imagine. How do you rest? <laughs> Say, brother, knock out. Right? He's lying down and he's got this bag of dead stones. And the old man who's the guest, he's looking at it. And he goes, I've noticed he's just, you know, taking it out of the bag, doing some sort of zikr. When he had completed it, he gave it to the slave woman or the slave girl and she put it all back into the bag. <laughs> that is how he kept numbers. Dead stones, like the man said, or pebbles. Now, why is this important? Because some fruitcakes think that using tespi is innovation. And you think, brother, I think, you know, I don't know, what, what, you, what were you talking about? No, brother, the Prophet didn't use, sallallahu alayhi wa he didn't have tespi. And then you think, haven't you missed the point, brother? He goes, what point have I missed? He goes, I just want to focus on the zikr. Some people use a clicker. Is that bidat as well? Right? He goes, why? Because the whole point is so you can focus on your zikr. If I'm going to use my own brain, unless I'm a genius, I'm going to be thinking about numbers. Right? 12,000, I'll tell you straight, brother. Forget that. Right? Because how am I supposed to work at 12,000? Even with this, I'll get confused. 100. How many hundreds in 12,000? Oh, brother, you got me there, right? 120 times. So, well, I need another tasbih to count the number of tasbih. How are you working at 12,000? So, what do you notice from these reports? Did he do dhikr? This is the, this is the joke. Now, people, you know, they, they call themselves Sufis. But be honest, right? You're thinking, brother, so you must be like Abu Huraira then? And he goes, yeah, brother, you know, he's, he's my example. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> and then you go, how much zikr do you do? And he goes, between me and Allah. No, man, I'm just asking. I know what he did. And he goes, yeah, I try to do a thousand every day. A thousand? Not your example, brother. Must be another Abu Huraira you're talking about. He did 12,000. Next minute, 12,000. Which hadith is that one, right? And he goes, there you go. Which hadith? Now you want to know which hadith is. In the Sahih Abu Dawood. And when he fell asleep, 2,000. 
Now, what do you notice about Abu Hurairah? And this is what's shocking about all the Sahaba. When you talk about an aspect of their worship, you get the impression that's all they did. And now I'm talking about Ezekiel, be honest. This is the impression you're getting now, this is what I'm getting. That's what he did. He did his farad. Just did his zikr after that. No, he didn't. That's just part of his ibadat. But that to us is like somebody who's, you know, the highest levels. And you can only do that worship if you love it. You understand? These huge numbers are easy. Think about the things that are easy for us. Watching a film. Three hour film. No problem, brother. Yeah, box it out. I mean, 12 hours, right? If you say to that person, brother, you've been sitting here for seven, eight hours. What's his response? He, he gets offended. He goes, oh, brother, come on. Should be saying that. They go, I'm just asking you, be here seven, eight hours. What's going on? And he goes, oh, do you find it difficult? He starts giving you doubt. Right? And then he goes, brother, yeah, I do. I can't sit in one place for seven, eight hours. Can't even taxi like that. Right? And then he goes, because he loves it. Time doesn't make no difference. They love zikr. They love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet said in Abu Nu'im al-Hilya Sayyid Hadith, Man, whoever loves something, he mentions it much. Whoever loves something, he mentions it much. So, dhikr is a sign of love. How much love did he have for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Then you look at our zikr, isn't it? Oh, for, <laughs> we even forget to do the same zikr. Imagine, you get up and think, oh, I forgot to do my zikr. The way you're talking, brother, what do you miss? I forgot to say astaghfirullah three times in the morning. He goes, brother, don't worry about that one. Right? You even forget that. Right? And they go, but I love Allah. My heart's clean. MashaAllah, carry on. Also, let's look at another aspect of his worship. In Ahmad, in his Musnad, number 9194, Sahih Hadith, Abu Huraira, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, were it not difficult for my ummah, I would have commanded them to use the miswak at the time of every wudu. Abu Huraira added, I thus began to clean my teeth before sleeping, after waking up, before eating, and after eating, when I heard Rasulullah say this. So let's look at this. So there's two parts to this hadith. One is from the Prophet, one is from Abu Hurairah. It's a Sahih Hadith in Ahmad. From the Prophet, he was thinking about making it fard. Imagine, every wudu, you have to use the miswak. But then he obviously, out of compassion, he goes, I couldn't do it. I didn't want to burden my ummah. Look what Abu Hurairah did. He hears a Hadith and he goes, This is what I'm going to do. Before I sleep, miswak. When I get up, miswak. Before I eat, miswak. After I eat, miswak. Did the Prophet say that? No. Why is he doing that? Because he knew what the Prophet intended. He was thinking, look, you should be cleaning your teeth regularly. But the Prophet in his compassion, he didn't even make it obligatory in wudu, but at least in wudu. Why? Because at least once or twice a day, you clean your teeth. That's what it basically boils down to. And what do the non-Muslims say now? Brush your teeth. When you get up and brush your teeth, when you go to sleep. And we go, look at that, how advanced they are. They're not advanced. <laughs> right? They're just reinventing the wheel. They didn't even know about oral hygiene. And here's the Prophet speaking, about oral hygiene. Imagine. So note again, these are times of the Sahaba. So when somebody goes, brother, look, I want special times for the miswak. I want text. And he goes, okay, brother, before you sleep. Because Abu Hurairah, the Allah, is okay, good. 
He goes, what, what other time, brother? When you get home? He goes, which are these same hadith, brother? He goes, mashallah, right? He goes, another time? He goes, before you eat? He goes, I'll be doing it all the time. Then he goes, don't stop eating, then, isn't it? Right? But then, like, and then after you eat, also. Yeah. This is the sunnah of Abu Huraira, One should not really find this surprising. Why? For our beloved mother, Sayyidah Umm Salama, anhuma, related that her unparalleled husband, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said, Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam continued advising me sallallahu alayhi wasalam with the sewaq until I feared for my teeth. Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam continued advising me with the sewaq until I feared for my teeth. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir 23-251 Behaki in his Sunan 7-49 Hassan Lighayd and I think about that. Rasulullah was saying sallallahu alayhi wasalam I was told so many times, I thought I'm going to injure my teeth. Yeah. How do we injure our teeth? Lack of cleanliness. Yeah. You go to a dentist, they go, oh, plaque build-up, plaque build-up. Yeah. Right? And then you think, and they get that scraper, like, you know, it's... Yeah. Yeah. And when you, clean, when you clean your teeth, you, you feel like a, a new set of gnashes. You go, hmm. all that crabs come off it. Which person goes, I feel for my teeth? He goes, oh, brother, have you got the same problem as me? He goes, no. Mm. I use my swag so much, I think I'm going to damage my teeth. He goes, brother, what are you doing? Because this is a truth. That's what the Prophet said. I feel for my teeth. That's the sunnah. So go back to Abu Huraira. He's thinking, look, this is the wisdom. It's not set. You should be cleaning your teeth regular. Mm. Similarly, our beloved mother, Sayyida Aisha, she related that her exalted and most honored husband, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said, I continually use the sewak until I feared it would cause my teeth to fall out. <laughs> I continually use the sewak until I feared it would cause my teeth to fall out. This is in Tabarani in his Ausat number 6526 or 6-326, Behaki in his Sunan Al-Kubra 7-49-50, Hafiz ibn Hajar Rahmatullah in his Al-Talkhisul Habib 1-67. So two different reports. Jibreel was telling him, Keep cleaning your teeth. Keep cleaning your teeth. This report, he says, I feel like my teeth are going to fall out. I'm cleaning it that often. So now, what's interesting? The last deed of our beloved messenger was the miswak. He's leaving the world and he couldn't speak. But he looked at Aisha's brother, Abdul Rahman ibn Abu Bakr, and he saw a miswak on him. And Aisha realized that he wanted the miswak, but he couldn't ask because it was too weak. And she knew that he wanted the miswak. So she goes, I asked my brother to give the miswak. I took it and I softened it with my saliva. Then I put it into Rasulullah's hand, not my own hand. And I used his hand to use the miswak. So he couldn't even like use his own hand because that weak. And then the report says that shortly thereafter the Prophet passed away. So this is the hadith in the Sayyid. So now, Mullah Ali Qadi Rahmatullah he said something very interesting he said there are many benefits of the miswak one of the benefits he mentioned and this in itself is enough virtue is that if you use the miswak regularly you will die with iman you will die with shahada because Rasulullah's last act was the miswak so think about it one of the greatest fears we have is doing all these good deeds and at the end of the shaitan pulls you catch it he dies a kafir, right? That's, isn't that a fear? Right? Somebody goes to you, brother, yeah, you're right, what, what's protection? Use the miswak. And he goes, what's miswak going to do with dying with Iman? It was the last action of the Prophet So the miswak is so they beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People ask, what if I use a toothbrush? 
<laughs> and the toothpaste is that also miswak the scholars say you can make intention inshallah the last most generous but the miswak the prophet used was of course you know made from a branch of a tree the arak tree or the um, olive olive tree the branch is very soft and the, you keep it clean some people keep miswaks and it's in a you keep it clean keep it in a plastic you know like some people and keep it and if it starts to smell that means get rid of it you know some people keep miswak and it's like you know brother you see how long you had that miswak you know a couple of years couple of years right and then and then, and then another brother he asked me he was uh, what do you do with miswaks that you use I must bury it and he goes bury it right because it's something respectful it's a sign of Islam so you don't throw it in the bin, you know. You respectfully, you know, you know, like where you put the pages of the Quran, you know, you don't throw it away. It's a, you know, it's a symbol of Islam. And also, look how sad that the people now probably with the worst teeth are the Muslims. That's how far we strayed from the teachings. Billah. So all I mentioned today was again a glimpse into the great worship of Sayyidina Abu Huraira. And no matter what angle you look at, you notice. He was obsessed with worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that is the purpose of our creation. If you're not worshipping your Lord, you are basically, you know, wasting your time. <laughs> Allah has created you to worship. Again, this is for your own benefit, you know, subhanAllah. Are there any questions you'd like to ask?